your Bibles, if you would, let's go to Malachi. We are picking up our expositional study, verse by verse study, in the book of Malachi. It's been a great uh, book thus far, very uh, challenging, uh, very timely. Uh, I know for myself personally, um, it has been a very powerful uh, book in my personal time with the Lord, and uh, pray that uh, God will continue to have His will and His way in my life and your life as we study the Word of God together. Uh, again, a book studies how we should approach it, and um, rightly dividing the Word of truth, so we will not be ashamed at the coming of our Lord and Savior Christ. We are in chapter 2, and our study, uh, as we continue on, is entitled, Your Way or Yahweh. And um, you'll recall last time we introed this with uh, the reminder of the famous song Frank Sinatra sang, and he said, I did it my way. And uh, the question is, are you doing life your way, or are you doing life God's way? And we want to do life God's way, because that is the only way. Let's begin our reading from God's Word. We're going to recap the passages we've hit, and uh, we'll pick up our study from where we left off. Uh, follow along, if you would, in regards to um, our study here. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. And I'll ask you gentlemen back there on the monitor, if you would please uh, click for me as, as I read. And now, O priest, this commandment is for you. If you will not hear, and if you will not take it to heart, to give glory to my name, says the Lord of hosts, I will send a curse, to, I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I've cursed them already, because you do not take it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your descendants, or your seed, and spread Dung or refuse on your faces, the dung of your solemn feasts, and one will take you away with it. Then you shall know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant was with him, one of life and peace, and I gave them to him that he might fear me. So he feared me and was reverent before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth, and injustice was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity and turned many away from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should keep knowledge, and people should seek the law from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But you've departed from the way. You've caused many to stumble at the law. You've corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, I also have made you contemptible and base before all the people, because you've not kept my ways, but have shown partiality in the law. Father, again, as we come to your word, we ask that you will open our hearts to hear and receive. I pray, Lord, that you will allow me to simply be a vessel, a messenger for you. 
And so, Lord, may I decrease and may you increase that Christ will be seen and heard in today's message. In Jesus' name, amen. So, again, your way or Yahweh. The outline uh, that we find ourselves in here in this section of Scripture, we looked at last time the command to the priests. And you see that in verses 1 and verses 2. And he says, look, if you're not going to hear, if you're not going to take it to heart, there's going to be trouble. He's commanding the priests to hear, to heed. We'll see the consequences to the priests. Verses 3, uh, we looked at that as well. And I'll, I'll just kind of run through these. And then the covenant, that's where we're at and we'll finish out today. So we, we saw the command, we saw the consequences, we saw the covenant, verses 4 to 9. And we're going to see that today. So again, the command to the priest. He talked about uh, these things. and We unpacked this last week, so I'm not going to revisit it, but it's there in the text we just read. To hear. He says, listen. Church, are we listening to God's Word today? Are we hearing it? Are we taking it to heart? Because that's the problem with the priest. He says, you're not listening and you're not taking it to heart. It's not affecting you. It's not changing your life. It's not transforming you. Guys, it does us no good. James says we're not to be just hearers of the Word, but we're to be what? Doers. The Word of God comes in and we must receive it and the point and purpose is to transform us from the inside out, to change our heart. And so we need to heed it. The biggest problem that God had with these priests back in Malachi's day was they were not honoring His name. They had no fear. They had no reverence of God. And I don't know about you, but sometimes today, when if you even flip through any type of television programming that's religious in nature, it's like a circus show, isn't it? I mean, it's just, it's sad. It's almost, it's depressing because the world thinks that's you, Christian. They think that represents you. That doesn't represent us. And this is what God's saying to the priest. That doesn't represent my name. What you're doing is dishonoring. It's despicable. And I think we would agree with some of the representation that goes out under the umbrella of Christianity today. It's, you almost want to say, please, do us all a favor. Don't tell people you're a Christian. Because it's not helping us, right? But yet, we also, again, it's easy to look elsewhere, but we've got to look in the mirror first, don't we? What am I doing, God? What are the things that I'm doing personally? What is Jeremy Varner doing that he needs to stop? He needs to die to self. God, I need you to chip those, those rough edges away. And guess what? When, when that chisel lays to you, it can be hard, can't it? We talked about when we began this study that there are no sacrificial uh, priestly duties today, right? We don't have priests today who are offering lambs and, and, and doves and, and some of the, the sacrifices that they would have had back in the Old Testament. That's not happening today. And the reason that's not happening is because Jesus Christ is our high priest. The work's done. He finished it. He is the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the world. There, needs, there, there doesn't need to be any more sacrifices. He's the ultimate and final sacrifice. God bless you. So, there's no need, no need for any priest in our day. 
What we're going to see today, though, is the other aspect that was given to the priest does apply to us today. They were responsible for teaching the Word of God. They were responsible as teachers. So in a sense, they were, they were preachers. Now we know the prophet Malachi, he, he's a, one of those types of preachers that is a give-it-to-you-straight kind of guy. And that's what the prophets oftentimes were used for, to give it to you straight, right? They would come into the circumstances and situations, and they didn't pull the punches. And a lot of times they weren't, they weren't liked for that. But we need to understand, when we look at the New Testament today, we, we, we talked about this, guess who the priests are today? We don't really have any in the sense of we don't need the high priest, but there is a fulfillment in, in that covenant of Levi that we talked about that I believe is in a sense being fulfilled because when we looked at last week in Numbers 25, we may revisit today, we may not for time's sake, but go back and read it. He talks about, again, a promise to a priestly line forever. Well, we know ultimately Christ is that forever. He's the only eternal being, right? But also recognize that you guys, us, all of us, the church today, we are called that holy nation, a royal priesthood. So when we're reading this passage, in one sense, spiritually speaking, we need to apply these things in that way. We're a royal priesthood. We're representing his name. No, we're not having to sacrifice lambs and and, and, you know, animals. But Paul says you're to present yourself a living sacrifice. And so this has been our challenge so far. We also looked at, again, the consequences. Because these priests were not listening to God, they were not fearing God. By the way, what were they doing? They were accepting sickly animals when the law clearly stated it's to be uh, without blemish. It's to be the best of your flock. And they were bringing in the ones that they couldn't get money for. We're going to see this is the problem too. Because the priests end up showing some partiality you know, for, for the sake of the almighty dollar. And so what they were doing was they were offering all these sickly animals when they weren't supposed to. And they knew the Word of God said they weren't supposed to. So they were willfully and intentionally and in disobedience to God's revealed word, offering these blemished sacrifices. And so there's consequences for that action. There's always consequences when we deliberately disobey God's word. You can take it to the bank. If you're a child of God, you cannot live contrary to his word. It will catch up with you. Those whom God loves, he chastens. Now, there's some good in that. Because if you're disobedient willfully against God's word and you start to experience the chastening of God's hand in your life, that's a good indication that you're one of His. But if you're out there living like the devil and enjoying your sin and you're having pleasure in your sin and there's no seeming repercussions, you may want to examine yourself to see if you're even in the faith. Because if your heart's not truly been converted and you've never really been born again, then you don't belong to the King of kings and Lord of lords. You're not one of His children. Just like I don't go out here on the street and discipline other people's children. Hey, young man, come here, let me spank your butt. You know better than that. I saw what you were doing to your mother. I know you've wanted to. <laughs> Trust me, we've all wanted to, right? <laughs> uh, hmm. Anyway. 
True story, I was fishing with, some, with, with my neighbors one time. And my dad said, now maybe some of you grew up this way. I don't know. My dad said, Daryl, I'm giving you permission. If my son acts up, disobeys, you've got full permission to spank his butt. I was like 11 years old, 10 and a half, something like that. I go fishing for the weekend at Carolina, down here at the coast, man. Woohoo! And I'll never, Daryl was a big fisherman. And I remember uh, his, his sons, you know, we were good buddies and, and we were hanging out playing and the fish just weren't biting at that time. At least from my 10 and a half year old ADD, ADHD, before it was diagnosed, opinion. And I found this huge rock. Oh, look at the size of this rock. This rock will be awesome to make a huge splash off the pier. Right next to Daryl's floaty, you know. I'm sitting there. Yeah, I get my arm grabbed, and all of a sudden, whoosh. I can't believe Daryl just spanked me. Only my daddy spanks me. I promise you, I threw no more rocks into the water. And it was a yes, sir, the rest of the trip, you know? Anyway, I'm not saying, but dad did give him permission. There's consequences, guys. When we choose to do boneheaded things, stupid things, intentional or even unintentional, right? I mean, unintentional. It, it doesn't matter. There are consequences to our actions. And so here we see in the Word of God, God is pointing this out to the priests and to the people. He says, I'm going to rebuke. Because of what you've done, I'm going to rebuke your descendants. And again, we talked about this. It, it, some of your translations may say seed, and they were agricultural uh, society. And so even if you take it in that uh, understanding, they're, they're not going to prosper. Seed's not going to grow. You farmers know what we're talking about. You can do everything right sometimes, and it's still just seemingly, where's the produce? Where's the crop? We're at the hands of God in that, aren't we? I mean, even in the New Testament, we're told from a spiritual standpoint, some sow, some water, but who brings the increase? God. God brings the increase, right? We have responsibility. We have responsibility to do our part. But he's saying here, even in this case, hey, I used to bless you. Let's just take it from an agricultural standpoint. I blessed you. Your provisions as priests was at the hands of all that the people were bringing into the storehouse. And when there's a beautiful and abundant crop, guess what? They're blessed. I'm going to turn your blessings into cursing. It's going to be a curse. You're not going to be able to have that kind of prosperity that you once experienced. By the way, you do know that the, the, the tribe of Levi, of the 12 tribes, they were the one not given a land. Everybody else is given a land, right? Because they were chosen based upon, again, what we looked at. Go back and listen to last week's message. You'll hear the history of how they were chosen. Um, well, you remember Moses comes off the mount. I'll just share it real quick. He comes off the mount. There, all the debauchery is taking place. The golden calf is there. And, and even you know, Aaron has kind of led them astray in this. And, and Moses is mad. God's madder. And God's wanting to wipe them out. And Moses kind of intercedes. And, and then you hear Moses ask, Who's on the Lord's side? Come stand with me. And the first group of people that came to him were the Levites. And because of this, God looked at them with favor. You looked at the numbers 25. Let's go there just because we talked about it and we need this because I recognize uh, sometimes you don't remember what we did 
yesterday. I'm the same way. Look at Numbers 25. Real quick, Numbers 25. This helps us better understand the passage we're in. Numbers 25 verse 1 says, Now Israel remained in Akakia. <laughs> anyway. In, in the groves, and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. Now, some of your translations are pretty direct. They were whoring with the women of Moab. They were committing harlotry. They invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel was joined to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord out in the sun that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. See, there's consequences, guys. The holiness of God was being mocked and God was having none of it. So Moses, verse 5, said to the judges of Israel, Every one of you kill his men who were joined to Beel of Peor. And indeed, one of the children of Israel came and presented to his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle meeting. So here they are sobbing and crying because their, their neighbors, their children, their family members they know are going to be killed because of their disobedience against God, their offense against a holy God, and because there's no repentance being found in them, and they're enjoying their sin for the season, and they're taking up these Midianite women and these other foreign women, not just forsaking, you've got to understand, they're leaving their own families to pursue these women. They're divorcing their wives to go after exotic wives. And God says, I'm done with this. Set the example. And as they're talking about this and people are saddened and grieved and, 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 and crying, in walks in or walks by where they're at a guy, and notice what it says, verse 7, or let's go back to 6. Indeed, one of the children of Israel came and presented to his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses, in the sight of the congregation of the children of Israel, who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Verse 7. Now when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, when he saw this, notice what happened. He saw it. He rose from among the congregation, and he went and took a javelin in his hand, and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through the man of Israel and the woman through her body. So the plague was stopped among the children of Israel. And those who died in the plague were 24,000. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned back my wrath from the children of Israel because he was zealous with my zeal among them so that I did not consume the children of Israel in my zeal. 
Therefore say, Behold, I give to him my covenant of peace. There's the covenant. We're talking about Malachi. I give to him my covenant of peace. And it shall be to him and his descendants after him a covenant of an everlasting priesthood. There you go. Because he was zealous. Here's the why. Because he was zealous for his God and made atonement for the children of Israel. So back over to Malachi. So again, the consequences. That priest, right, Phineas, he was walking in line with the same attitude of the Levites when Moses came off the mountain and said, who's on the Lord's side? And they, they stepped forward first. Their love for the Lord. They recognized this sinful debauchery. They recognized this Phineas saw this that was taking place was not in the name of the Lord. And it was wrong and it was sinful. And they wanted to separate from that. And God honors that. And He always honors that, guys. Do you not know that to, be, to make yourself a friend of the world is, is to be an enemy of God? Look at the James passage. Let's go there because it's a very applicable for us as quote-unquote a priesthood today. Let's go to James. James. And let's look at chapter 4. James 4 says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desire for pleasure, that war in your members? We're in chapter 4, verse 1. Now verse 2. You lust and do not have. You murder and covenant and covet and, and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Notice what he calls them. Adulterers and adulteresses. He's saying, look, you're cheating on me. God's people, you're cheating on me. Notice what he says. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Okay, you want to go the way of the world? You want to enjoy the pleasures of the temporary, not embracing the eternal? Your choice, but there's consequences. You make yourself an enemy of God. Or do you not think that the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? You see, this is the same Spirit that was in the Levites that wanted to honor God. This was the Spirit that was in Phineas. But when he saw the guy taking the girl into his tent, he was stirred to that type of uh, righteous indignation. The same type of righteous indignation that caused Jesus to flip the tables over and put together a whip and drive out those money changers from his temple. That type of earnest jealousy for the things of God is what he still desires from us as his holy nation and royal priesthood. When we see the things happening in the world, it should cause us to be jealously angered for the things of God. Because man is 
dishonoring the name of God. And especially amongst those who claim the name. We don't treat the world that way. Right? I expect the blind man to be blind. But the one who has sight, he sees. And so those are the ones that we desire to plead with, and so did James here. So back to the subject at hand. He said, I'm going to rebuke your descendants. He says, in fact, I'm going to take the poop from those stinky, pitiful animals that you're sacrificing in my name, and I'm going to take all that dung. In fact, the amount of dung that comes in during the feast time, and I'm going to rub that on your face. Don't take my word for it. Read it. That's what it says. Now, what does he mean by that? You're disgracing my name. Your name's going to be disgraced. Guess what, guys? Guess what we're doing thousands of years later? We're hearing about these guys. And we're hearing about the shame they brought upon the name of God. Do you think maybe that is being seen and heard? Yeah. And especially, again, for, for those who were there and had ears to hear, this served as a warning. And, and for us who are here and have ears to hear, it should serve for us as a warning. The importance, again, of consequences as God's people when we don't honor God's name. God's not your enemy unless you're making Him your enemy by choosing which side you're on. And if you're choosing the side of the world, then you've made that choice. Isn't that what James just reminded us? And so, he says not only you're going to experience that refuse, that dung, you're going to also see the removal. You're going to be, you're, you're going to be departed. You're going to be carried out just like that was carried out and good for nothing but to be burned. Because it testifies actually that you're not one of His. And even as uh, we read this morning in John 15, as, as Randall read this morning. Again, what is, Christ is the vine, you are the what? Branches. And what happens when a branch doesn't have life in it? What do they do with those branches? They break them off. For what purpose? Throw them in the fire. Again, indication that there's no life in you. You're not really one of His. And these priests were not really one of His. So the consequences to the priests. And I'm trying to fast forward because I want to get this through. We looked at the warning of God. We looked at the Word of God. And that was a big central point. And I want us to pick up there. So let's look in verse, in, in verse 4 of our Malachi passage as we try to close this last section out. Chapter 2, Malachi, verse 4. Then you saw, oh, sorry, sorry, then you shall know, then you shall know that I have sent this commandment to you that my covenant with Levi may continue. See, God's desire is that it continue. Says the Lord of hosts. Verse 5 My covenant was with him, and it was one of life and peace. I gave them to him that he might fear me. So he feared me and was reverent before my name. See, he's doing a comparison. Here's a past tense. He experienced life. He experienced the blessing. Presently speaking, these guys weren't, and they were getting ready to get it really bad if they didn't hear and heed. The law of truth was in his mouth, and injustice was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity and turned many from 
iniquity. And notice here what he says. For the lips of a priest should keep knowledge, and people should seek the law from his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Guys, one of the responsibilities of the priest was not just sacrifices in the name of the Lord. They were to teach the people. I told you they didn't have, per se, a land of their own. They were scattered throughout all the tribes. And part of their responsibilities, because they may only serve like two weeks out of the year, you know, because preachers only work one day a week, right? I mean, that's the joke. So these guys only were two times out of the year. No, they were in their, in their areas teaching the people the Word of God. That was what they were supposed to be doing. And so they had to be readily available in the communities that they lived in. And so we see the emphasis again on the Word of God. Uh, they, were, they were keepers of the truth. Where were people going to hear the truth? It was supposed to come from the lips of the priests in, our, in the New Testament. How will they hear unless one is sent? The importance again of the proclamation of God's Word. God has preachers. He raises up those today to proclaim His truth. We are all part of the priesthood. We are all called to ministry in that we are all to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. How are they going to hear if we don't go? We're having an opportunity today. It's kind of a strange one. We're only going outside these doors. A lot of people are coming to us today. What an opportunity. This is like a feeding of the 5,000, right? They all came and gathered and Christ fed them. And today, we're going to have an opportunity to feed the Word of God to those who come here. Let's pray God sends us, hey, 5,000, can we fit it? We didn't notify the Sheriff's Department, so if we need backup, we got it. Whether there's five or 5,000, I'll leave that in God's hand. We still have the responsibility to share the truth. So we see, again, here in the passage, the importance of the Word of God, and it's to be, uh, to be obeyed and not neglected. The priests were doing that. Again, we talked about last time that God's words are final authority, and you can't willingly and actively disobey God and expect to not suffer the consequences. Um, the Word of God was meant for those priests, if they were honoring the covenant that was given to them, if they were doing what they were supposed to be doing, obeying that Word, proclaiming that Word, they would have had life and peace. They would have been in reverence of God, fear and awe. By the way, again, the beginning, uh, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. We need to return to, to a proper attitude of the heart before a holy God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But yet we don't fear Him as we once did. And it should affect how we talk and walk. The results, it should impact others. One of the responsibilities of the priests, they would come to them for, for counsel. Let me just time out here for a second. We live in a day, and it just baffles me. God's people have left the counsel of God's Word. Let me say that. God's people have left the counsel of God's Word. People no longer, because what did God say they were supposed to do? Notice what it's supposed to look like. Verse 7. For the lips of a priest should keep knowledge. 
So if Pastor Dean, Pastor Mark, Pastor Jeremy, if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing in a New Testament equivalent of, of protectors of the Word of God and rightly dividing the Word of God, this is our responsibility as shepherds. Jesus told Peter, feed my sheep, right? There's, there's New Testament reminders for us, though we're not priests in the same sense, but as gifts from God to the church, he gave the church pastors and teachers one of our responsibilities is to rightly divide the word of truth so that when we stand before a holy God one day, we're able to do so unashamed because we gave you the truth in love. It's not dependent upon whether you accept it or disagree with it, like it, don't like it, think I'm wrong, think I'm making it up. That's irrelevant. I have to be true in dividing the word. And that should be your prayer for your pastors. Not that we tickle your ears or give you what you want, but we give you what you need. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And if we're compromising the word of God in any way, shape, or form, that can be problematic for all of us. And so notice again what it says, for the lips of a priest should keep the knowledge and people should seek the law from his mouth. Why? For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. Church, even in the New Testament sense today, God calls pastors to shepherd his flock. And one of the responsibilities of a shepherd, an under-shepherd, is to, again, rightly divide the word of truth to you, to feed you the word of God. Not my opinions. Not my preferences, right? But the Word of God. And ultimately, that, that's what matters. But you have a responsibility to seek that counsel. And today we're looking everywhere else for everybody's opinion and answer. And I think the Word of God tells us why. Because in the latter days, many will depart from the faith, the truth of God's Word, and they will set up for themselves people who tickle their ears. I want somebody to agree with me. And that's why we're going to get together with those who agree with us. God's warned us about this. And He's warned us, as men who are given the Word of God, the responsibility to get this thing right, to rightly divide, to not compromise the truth, to not water it down, no matter what is happening in our culture, no matter what's happening in our churches. You see, these priests were beginning to compromise. Oh, it's okay. I know the Word of God says you're supposed to bring a, a, a sacrifice that that's, doesn't have any blemishes, but... You know, I think we can make an exception this time. Wink, wink. Oof. No. Lord, help us. The Word of God is to be our counsel. You know, it's interesting. There was a poll taken by Gallup, 2021. Listen to this statistic. The survey asked, who's the most trusted professions? Who do you think was the most trusted profession in 2021? Most people look to for counsel. Who do you think was the most? Just say an answer. Anybody, everybody. Out loud. Doctors? Pharmacists? Any other ideas? Therapists? Okay. These are all great answers. And isn't it true of our society? 
we tend to put faith in those guys, though they're guys just like us, man-made professions and positions, right? But yet the very position that God has said is his spokesperson, is his way, is his representation, we don't really care what they have to say. Now, I say don't listen to them if they're not giving you the Word of God and they're not rightly dividing the Word of truth. You need to move on, right? If it, I mean, if they're not truly dividing the Word of God rightly, and what I'm talking about, again, turn on your TBNs. Those are the guys to stay away from. That's a pretty simple rule of thumb. I mean, every once in a while, they might get one right. But even a broke clock is right twice a day, right? So, thank you. <laughs> Some of them won't get it to the ride home. <laughs> But here's the point, guys, listen. God has said this, you're to be the messenger. You're to be the spokesperson. And if you're speaking of your own accord, then pfft. But if you're speaking the truth of God's word and had these priests continue to do what was right, we wouldn't be in this situation. Listen to these stats. Question. The number one most trusted position of 2021 for counsel, for wisdom, Nursing. So nurses, good for you. I hope they're godly nurses. <laughs> they're going to give you the word of God. Medical doctors. By the way, nursing was 81%. Medical doctors, second, at 67%. Grade school teachers. Oh, yeah, teachers in the house. Whoop, whoop. Hey, 63%. Fourth. Pharmacists last year used to be number one. Used to be number one. It dropped down to fourth place. I, got, I guess I got the prescription wrong. Anyway, a couple of times. That's probably big, you know, pharmaceutics causing that one to drop down. We're seeing how they're getting in the, you know, politicians' pockets, right? Military officers, 61%. That was the top five. Notice what you didn't hear. Pastors. We're at ninth place. Ninth place. 36%. But yet, that's the position that's supposed to be God's messenger. Now, I think it's twofold reason. I have to, I have to take my own medicine before I get too upset with that kind of Gallup poll, right? I got my own medicine to take. But I know these gentlemen have seen it. Moses saw it. These priests saw it. Apostle Paul saw it. Peter saw it. Doesn't matter. Jesus saw it. People don't always want to hear what you got to say, especially when it's coming from God's Word. You know, because we want to do what we want to do. I want it my way, not Yahweh. And so church, I encourage us to remember, if we're seeking counsel, please, start with God's word. 
Also, look to the ones God's put in your life. God has called us to Community Baptist Church. Myself, Pastor Dean, Pastor Mark. For whatever season He has us here. And that's for you. To give you God's Word. Now, if I'm giving you counsel, and it's contrary to what God's Word says, then you have a responsibility to come to me and say, Pastor, here's what the Word of God says. Help me understand the counsel you gave because I'm not understanding it the way you're saying. And we can reason together. But don't bring your experience. Don't, don't bring your opinion. Don't bring the counsel of, of some others. Bring the Word of God. And let's reason together. If there is anyone in this room that, that understands the weight of getting it right, it's this guy. I don't want to get the instruction of God's Word to the sheep he's been entrusted to feed. I dare not, do not, please, I don't want to give you food that's not sheep food. I don't want to feed you goat food. So, the Word of God is important. It's of utmost importance. Not only have they departed from the Word of God, notice what it says here, verse 8 of Malachi 2, but you have departed from the way. See, God makes it clear they had turned away from the Word of God. You've departed from the way of God. You've caused many to stumble at the Word of God because of your instruction. You've been telling them it's okay to bring these sickly animals for sacrifice. And you know good and well that that's not accepted. The Word says it's very clear, and yet you're telling them it's okay. Oh, it's okay for you guys to live together. No, it's not. And if a preacher's telling you that, he's a liar. If you're not married, it's a sin. It's always been a sin, it's still a sin. You wonder why, church, we're having such a struggle in our world and society today over sexual identity? Well, because we compromised the one that they were dealing with back in the day when they were whoring with the other nations. And we've let God's people go whoring with the nations, so to speak. I'm not recommending getting a javelin off the wall and taking care of it in your own hands. That's not what we're saying. But I am saying we need to return to the fear of God. All right, so what does this look like? So we're looking at, again, the priests. We saw that in verse 7. We see here, again, the parting in verse 8. But what about this, the punishment? Notice verse 9. Notice what God says. Therefore I also have made you contemptible and base before all the people, because you've not kept my ways, but have shown partiality in the law. You see, the, the priests had departed from the truth. And we see that partiality there. Uh, we see that they, they had departed from the truth. They were accepting blemish sacrifices. They were perverting the way. They were causing people to stumble at the Word of God. They were corrupting the covenant of Levi. And that punishment 
that they, that they uh, brought upon themselves. It was because, again, God says, you're going to be despised. They were despised. They were debased. And they were disgraced. Let me say that again. Verse 9a, you look at it there. Now, God keeps His Word. They were despised, they were debased, and they were disgraced. You see, they were trying to please man and not God. Can I tell you, church, we have a lot of people today seeking after the wisdom of man and not the wisdom of God. Oh, it makes for some great podcasts. It makes for some great uh, studies on the side. But guess what, gang? If it's not based on the authoritative Scripture, if it is not the inerrant Word of God, it's man's doing. And if we allow the compromises that's been creeping into the church from creation arguments to roles and responsibility arguments. We're not seeing, guys, these... We're seeing the wisdom of man, and I wish people could just wake up and realize within the church, God's Word's not changed. How come all of a sudden, after 6,000 years, we're the enlightened ones? And all those dummies behind us, well, they just didn't know better. Oof. No, I think what's happened is, just like what's happening in Malachi's day, they were departing from the Word. And those that were supposed to be the keepers of truth had compromised. And it was because they were pleasing man. Tickling ears. Notice what a Galatians... I'm going to just read these real fast because I, I want to close this. Galatians 1.10 says, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please man? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Ephesians 6, 6 said, Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Colossians 3, 22. Bondservants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. John 12, 43, For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. And that's why these priests were going to be met with judgment. The partiality. Because you've not kept my ways, but have shown partiality in the law. Psalm 82.2 says, How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? These also are sayings of the wise. Uh, Proverbs 24.23 Partiality in judging is not good. Luke 20.21 So they ask him, Teacher, we know that you speak and teach rightly and show no partiality but truly teach the way of God. Romans 2.11, For God shows no partiality. James 2.1 and also verse 9, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. But, verse 9, if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. I was thankful we had a young man in our Sunday school class today. Man of integrity. Now, there was a bunch of you men in there with integrity. <laughs> but specifically, this one guy, I, I told Quinn, he coaches our basketball team, I told him the other day, I said, look, 
You've got some players who've not made their two required church services. I didn't make the rules. Those are the rules. You've got to come at least two times in that month in order to participate in the league. And we've got some guys that have not made March and the tournament's next week, so if they lose, they're done. And as I'm standing there, one of these gentlemen heard, and he says, I've been five times. I said, well, that may be so, but you came two times in January and three times in February. You've not been once in March. And I says, I'm just trying to be consistent. I can't expect to hold all these other churches accountable to the rules and turn a blind eye to Community Baptist Church. That guy came Wednesday night, and he showed up for Sunday school this morning just to make sure he got in his two... So I know one guy that will be on the court. <laughs> Pray I don't have to take Josh, Coach Josh aside and say, Josh, brother, uh, number 45 and number 12, they're not going to be able to play tonight. Thank you. Have a good evening. You know. <laughs> but again, this is what we're talking about. These priests were showing partiality. Well, you know what? Just give me a little extra, and we'll let this dove fly. But he can't fly. I know, that's the point. Get it? So, thank you, Ivy. I'm glad you're here today. They were showing partiality. Listen to this quote. I'll try to read it fast. It's a big bunch to drink. But listen. A striking parallel to all this is found in the church of the Western world. Over the last 200 years, the truth has been progressively dismantled by those whose duty it was and is to maintain it, come what may. The Bible has been reduced to a book, like any other, containing some important facts and useful insights, but no longer the inspired and inerrant Word of God. Just as the absoluteness of revealed truth is now nonsense, so the transcendence of a triune Godhead is now an unnecessary notion. God is only imminent personally present in everyone and in everything and in any and every object of worship. Far from being immutable, he is in process of becoming more like what a God like us ought to be. Just as we are to become more like what human beings ought to be, Jesus shows us how to do that by his awareness of independence upon God, which we are to copy. There's no need for regeneration and no need for atonement. Justification is a fiction and sanctification is moral improvement. Salvation is by means of works. Morality is living in love and not conforming to righteous demands. Fornication, adultery, and divorce are justified along with same-sex unions. Life, the life of the unborn and the terminally ill is cheap. Partial birth abortions are justified in terms of a woman's right over her own body and an assisted death by the name of human dignity. This is the only life that exists. There's no hell to shun, not even by the impotent and no heaven to strive for. The emphasis in the church is on the visual, not the verbal, the earthly, not the heavenly, the physical, or the psychological not the spiritual, on man, not God. 
All this has been urged in terms of making Christianity easier to accept by the man in the street, the factory, or the university. In that respect, it has failed most manifestly and miserably. All it has succeeded in doing is emptying churches, making Christianity an object of public ridicule and causing offense to God. Liberalism has been the high road to uselessness and irrelevance. Proverbs 25, 26 says, Like a trampled spring and a polluted whale, so is a righteous man who gives way before the wicked. A line should have been drawn in the sand. Instead, territory has been conceded to the world time and time again. Who is on the Lord's side? Exodus 32, 26. Who is on the Lord's side is an urgent question for today. Howell Jones. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way of death. We've got to be aware of a movement in our society, in the church today, called deconstructionism. Its goal is to deconstruct your faith. They're not hiding it in that term. A lot of people are getting caught up in its net, and they're being misled. There's a way that seems right, but the end is a way of death. Whose way are you following? Your way? Or Yahweh? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light to our path. We cannot see where to go, how to go, how to live, where to live, what to do, apart from your revealed word. May you shine it in our heart. May you give us eyes to see and ears to hear. And Lord, may we turn from our way to Yahweh. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to give just a couple of seconds.